Chapter Four of The Wooden Horse by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four. Claire Trojan was having her breakfast in her own room. It was ten o'clock and a glorious September morning, and the sparrows were twittering on the terrace outside as though they considered it highly improper for anyone to have breakfast between four walls when nature had provided such a splendid feast on the lawn claire was reading a violent article in the national review concerning the inadequacy of our present solution of the housing problem but it did not interest her if the world had only been one large trojan family there would have been no problem the trouble was that there were greeks she did dimly realize their existence but the very thought of them terrified her Troy must be defended, and there were moments when Claire was afraid that its defenders were few. But she blinded herself to the dangers of attack. There are no Greeks. There are no Greeks. Claire stood alone on the Trojan walls and defied that world of superstition and pagan creeds. With the armor of tradition and an implicit belief in the watchword of all true Trojan leaders, Kidot Garda, she warded the sacred hearths but there were moments when her eyes were opened and signs were revealed to her of another world something in which troy could have no place and then she was afraid she was considering harry his coming and his probable bearing on present conditions and she knew that once again the trojan walls were in danger it seemed to her as she sat there cruelly unfair that the son of the house the man who in a little while would stand before the world as the head of the trojan tradition should be the chief instrument in the attempted destruction of the same she had not liked harry in the old days she had always even as a girl a very stern idea of the dignity of the house harry had never fulfilled this idea had never even attempted to he had been wild, careless, undisciplined, accompanying strange, uncouth persons on strange, uncouth adventures. He had been almost a byword in the place. No, she had not liked him. She had almost hated him at one time. And then, after he had gone away, she had deliberately forgotten him. She had erased his name from the fair sheet of the Trojan record and had hoped that the house would never more be burdened by his undisciplined history then she had heard that there was a son and heir and her one thought had been of capture deliverance of the new son of the house from his father's influence she was not deliberately cruel in her determination she saw that the separation must hurt the father but she herself was ready to make sacrifice for the good of the house and she expected the same self-denial in others harry made no difficulties new zealand was no place for a lonely widower to bring up his boy and robin was sent home from that moment he was the centre of claire's world much self-denial can make a woman good only maternity can make her divine to bring the boy up for the house to tutor him in all the little and big things that a trojan must know and do to fit him to take his place at the head of the family on a later day all these things she labored for day and night without ceasing and without divided interest she loved the boy too passionately with more than a mother's love and now she looked back over what had been her life work with pride and satisfaction 
She had tried to forget Harry. She hoped, although she never dared to face the thought in her heart, that he would die there, away in that foreign country, without coming back to them again. Robin was hers now. She had educated him, loved him, scolded him. He was all hers. She would brook no division. Then, when she had heard that Harry was to come home, it had been at first more than she could bear. She had burst into wild, incoherent protest. She had prayed that an accident might happen to him, and that he might never reach home. And then the Trojan pride and restraint had come to her aid. She was ashamed, bewildered, that she could have sunk to such depths. She prepared to meet him calmly and quietly. She even hoped that perhaps he might be so changed that she would welcome him. And, after all, he would in a little time be head of the house robin too was strongly under her influence and it was unlikely that he would leave her for a man whom he had never known for whom he could not possibly care it was this older claim of hers with regard to robin that did she felt so obviously strengthen her position and now the harry had really returned she thought that her fears need not trouble her much longer he did all the things that robin disliked most his boisterousness, heartiness, and good fellowship, dislike of everyday conventionality, would all, she knew, count against him with Robin. She had seen him shrink on several occasions, and each time she had been triumphantly glad. For she was frightened, terribly frightened. Harry was threatening to take from her the one great thing around which her life was centered if he robbed her of robin he robbed her of everything and she must fight to keep him that it would come to a duel between them she had long foreseen she had governed for so long that she would not easily yield her place now but she had not known that she would feel as she did about robin she had not known that she could be jealous jealous of every look and word and motion she had never known what jealousy was before but now in the silence of the golden sunlit room with only the twittering of the birds on the lawn to disturb her thoughts she faced the facts honestly without shrinking and she knew that she hated her brother oh why couldn't he go back again to his sheep shearing why had he come to disturb them it was not his environment it was not his life at all she felt that they could never lead again that same quiet ordered existence like a gale of wind he had burst their doors and broken their windows and now the house was open desolate to the world she went up to her father's room as was her custom every morning after breakfast he was lying at his open window watching with those strange restless eyes of his the great expanse of sea and sky stretching before him his room was full of light and air its white walls and ceiling great bowls of some of the last of the summer's roses made it seem young and vigorous and alive it was almost a shock to see that huddled dying old man with his bent head and trembling hands but his eyes were young and his heart as she looked at him she wondered why she had never really cared for him at first she had been afraid then as she grew older and a passionate love for and pride in the family as a conservative and ancient institution developed in her that fear became respect and she looked up to her father from a distance admiring his reserve and pride but never loving him 
and now that respect had become pity and above all a great longing that he might live for many many years securing the household gods from shame and tending the fire on the trojan hearth for at the moment of his death would come the crisis the question of the new rule at one time it had seemed certain that robin would be king with herself a very vigilant queen regent but now that was all changed harry had come home and it was into his hands that the power would fall she had often wondered that she knew her father so little he had always been difficult to understand a man of two moods strongly opposed strangely taciturn for days together and then brilliantly conversational amusing and a splendid companion she had never known which of these attitudes was the real one and now that he was old she had abandoned all hope of ever answering the question his moods were more strongly contrasted than ever he often passed quickly from one to the other if she had only known which was the real one she felt at times that his garrulity was a blind that he watched her almost satirically whilst he talked she feared his silences terribly and she used often to feel that a moment was approaching when he would reveal to her definitely and finally some plot that he had during those many watchful years been forming she knew that he had never let her see his heart he had never taken her into his confidence she had tried to establish some more intimate relationship but she had failed and now for many years she had left it at that but she wanted to know what he thought of harry she had waited for a sign but he had given none and although she had watched him carefully she had discovered nothing he had not mentioned his son a stranger might have thought that he had not noticed him but claire knew him too well to doubt that he had come to some definite conclusion in the matter she bustled cheerfully about the room humming a little tune and talking to him lightly and with no apparent purpose he watched the gulls fly past the open window his eyes rested on a golden flash of sun that struck some shining roof in the cove but his mind was back in the early days when he had played his game with the best and had seen the bright side of the world he was a rake jack crayle he seemed scarcely conscious that claire was in the room a rake but a good heart and an amusing fellow too i remember meeting old rendell and howden sallust howden of the eighties you know not the old man he kept at home all three of them at white's rendell and sallust and crayle jack bet rendell he wouldn't stop the next man he met in the street and claim him as an old friend and bring him in and by jove he took it and brought him in too sort of a tramp chap he was too dirty untidy fella but rendell was game serious by gad he was said he was an old friend that had fallen on evil times gave him a drink and won the bet sixty-three that was the year bailey won that polo match against old tom radley all the town was talking of it by gad he could ride bailey could why it's time for your medicine father said claire breaking ruthlessly in upon the reminiscences oh dear uh, yes he said looking at her curiously you're never late claire always up to time yes yes well well in sixty-three that was i remember it like yesterday old tom particular friend he was of mine then although we broke off afterwards my fault too probably about a horse it was 
i uh, but claire gave him his medicine first tying a napkin round his neck lest she should spill the drops he looked at her smiling over the napkin you were always a girl for method he said again not like harry she looked at him quickly but could guess nothing she was suddenly frightened as she so often was when he laughed like that she always expected that some announcement would follow it was almost as if he had threatened her harry she said no but he is very like he used to be in some ways it is nice to have him back again but well he will find pendragon rather different from auckland i'm afraid sir jeremy said nothing he lay there without moving claire untied the napkin and put back the medicine and wheeled the chair into a sunnier part of the room and away from the window you must get on with harry claire he said suddenly sharply why yes she answered laughing a little uneasily of course we get on only his way of looking at things was always a little different even perhaps a little difficult to understand and then after a little pause i am stupid i know it was always hard for me to see like other people but he was not listening to her he was smiling at the sun and the birds on the lawn and the flashing gold of the distant sand no you never saw like harry he said at last you want to be old to understand and he would say no more he talked to her no more that morning and she was vaguely uneasy what was he thinking about harry and how did his opinion influence the situation she fancied that she saw signs of rebellion for many years he had allowed her to do what she would and although she had sometimes wondered whether he was quite as passive as she had fancied she had had no fear of any disturbance now there was something vaguely menacing in his very silences and in some undefined way the pleasure that he took in the cries of birds the plunge and chatter of the sea as it rose and fell on the southern shore the glint of the sun on the gold and green distances of rock and moor was alarming she herself did not understand those things indeed she scarcely saw them and was inclined to despise any one who loved any unpractical beauty anything that was not at least traditional and now this was a bond between her father and harry they had both loved wild uncivilized things and it was this very trait in their character that had made division between them before but now what had been in those early days the cause of trouble was their common ground of sympathy they shared some secret of which she knew nothing and she was afraid lest robin should learn it too she went about her housekeeping duties that morning with an uneasy mind the discipline below stairs was excellent because she was feared it was not that she was hasty-tempered or unjust indeed the cook who had been there for many years said that she had never seen miss clare angry and her justice was a thing to marvel at she always gave people their due and exactly their due she never overpraised or blamed and that was why people said that she was cold it was also incidentally responsible for her excellent discipline she was as sir jeremy had said a woman of amazing method but the attitude of her actual household helped her they were all by education and environment trojans whatever they had been before they entered service at the flutes radical socialists dissenters or tones 
at the moment of passing the threshold they were transformed into trojans other things fell from them like a mantle and in their serious devotion to traditional conservatism they were examples of the true spirit of feudalism beldam the butler had long ago graduated as professor in the system coming as page-boy in earlier years he had acquired the by no means easy art of trojan diplomacy it was now his duty to overhaul as it were every servant that passed the gates an overhauling moreover done seriously and with much searching of the heart were you a trojan that is do you consider that you are exceptionally fortunate in being chosen to perform menial but necessary duties in the trojan household will you spend the rest of your days not only in performing your duties worthily but also in preaching to a blind and misguided world the doctrine of trojan perfection and superiority if the answer were honestly affirmative you were accepted otherwise you were expelled with a fortnight's wages and eternal contempt even the scullery maid was not spared but had to pass an examination in rites and rituals so severe that one unfortunate annie grace marks after beldam had spoken to her severely for half an hour burst out with an impetuous thank god she was a marks which was as good as the high and mighty any day of the week and better for there wasn't no pride in the marks and never had been she received her dismissal that same evening but the case of annie marks was an isolated one rebellion was very occasional and for the most the servants stayed at the flutes partly because the pay was good and partly because the very reiteration of trojan supremacy gave them a feeling of elevation very pleasant to their pride in accordance with all true feudal law you lost your own sense of birth and ancestry and became in a moment a trojan for smith jones and robinson this was very comforting so claire had very little trouble and this morning she was able to finish her duties speedily and devote her whole attention to the crisis that threatened the family she decided to see garrett and made her way to his room he was writing and seemed disturbed by her entry he had been working for some years on a book to be entitled our aristocracy its threatened supremacy he was still engaged on the preliminary chapter some aspects of historical aristocracy and it had developed into a somewhat minute account of trojan past history he had no expectations of ever concluding the work but it gave him a pleasant sense of importance and seemed in some vague way to be of value to the trojan family he was always happy when at work although he effected very little but after all the great stylist always worked slowly his style was it is true somewhat commonplace but his rather minute output allowed him to rank in his own estimation with pater and omar khayyam and disdain the voluminous facility of thackeray and dickens he was he felt one of the precious writers and so long as no one saw his work he was able both to comfort himself and to impress others with the illusion it was said vaguely in pendragon that garrett trojan was a clever fellow was writing a book said to be brilliant of great promise no he hadn't seen it but uh, etc so garrett looked at his sister a little resentfully 
i hope it's important claire he said because well you know the morning's one's time for work and once one gets off the track it's difficult to get back not that i've done much you know only half a page but this kind of thing can't move quickly i'm sorry gary she answered but you've got to talk to me there are things about which i want your advice she did not really want it she had decided on her line of conduct and nothing that he could say would alter her decision but it flattered him and she needed his help well of course he said pushing his chair back and coming to the fire if it's anything i can do what is it claire household or something in the town oh nothing she laughed at him don't be worried gary i know it's horrid to disturb you and there's really nothing only well after all there is only us isn't there for acting together i mean and i want to know what line you're going on oh about harry he looked at her sharply for a moment you know that i object to lines claire they are dangerous things he implied that he was above them of course there are times when it is necessary to well be decisive but at present it seems to me that we must wait for the situation to develop it will of course i knew that you would say that she said impatiently but it won't do the situation has developed you always preferred to look on it is as you say less dangerous but here i must have your help harry has been back a week he is for you and me unchanged the situation as far as we go is the same as it was twenty years ago he is not one of us he never was and to do him justice never pretended to be we or at any rate i imagine that he would be different now after all that time he is exactly the same she paused well he said all that for granted it's true what's the trouble things aren't the same though now there is father and robin father has taken to harry strongly he told me so just now and for robin scarcely captivated said garrett dryly have you seen them together hardly domestic then he looked at her again and laughed and that pleases you claire of course she answered him firmly there is no good in hedging he is no brother of ours garrett he is what is more important still no trojan and after all family counts for something we don't like him garrett why be sentimental about it he will follow father and it will be soon après le déluge for ourselves it does not matter it is hard of course but we have had our time and there are other things and places it is about robin i cannot bear to think what it would mean if he were alone here with harry after all these years he would not stay you think that claire said eagerly it is hard to know he is still only a boy of course harry shocks him now shocks everything his sense of decency his culture his pride but that will wear off he will get used to it and then it had been inevitable that the discussion should come and garrett had been waiting he had no intention of going to find her he would wait until she came to him but he had been anxious to know her opinion for himself the possibility of harry's return had never presented itself after all those years he would surely remain where he was in yielding his son he had seemed to abandon all claim to any rights of inheritance and garrett had thought of him as one comfortably dead 
he had contemplated his own ultimate succession with the pleasurable certainty that it was absolutely the right thing in his love for a rather superficial tradition he was a perfect trojan and might be relied on to continue existing conditions without any attempt at radical changes clare too would be of great use but in a moment what had been in his mind certainty was changed into impossibility instead of a certain successor he had become someone whose very existence was imperiled his existence that is on the only terms that were in the least comfortable everything that made life worth living was threatened not that his brother would turn him out he granted harry the very untrojan virtues of generosity and affection for humanity in general a rather foolish gregarious open-handedness opposed obviously to all decent economy but harry would keep him and the very thought stirred garrett to a degree of anger that his sluggish nature seldom permitted him kept and by harry harry the outlaw harry the rebel harry the greek garrett scarcely loved his brother when he thought of it but it was necessary that some line of action should be adopted and he was glad that claire had taken the first step you don't think he said doubtfully that he could be induced to go back what cried claire after these years and the way he has waited why remember that first evening he will never leave this again he has been dreaming about it too long i don't know said garrett he'll be at loggerheads with the town very soon he has been saying curious things to a good many people he objects to all improvement and says so the place will soon be too hot for him but claire shook her head no she said he will soon find out about things and then in a little when he takes father's place what people think odd and unpleasant now will be original and strong besides he would never go whatever might happen because of robin ah yes there is robin it will be curious to watch developments there randall comes to-day doesn't he yes this afternoon a most delightful boy i'm afraid that he may find harry tiresome we must wait garrett said finally in a week's time we shall see better but claire don't be rash there is father and besides it will scarcely help robin oh no melodrama she said laughing and moving towards the door only we understand each other garry things won't do as they are or as they promise to be garrett returned with a sigh of relief to his papers for harry the week had been a series of bitter disappointments he woke gradually from his dreams and saw that everything was changed he was in a new world and he was out of place those dreams had been coloured fantastically beautifully in the white pebbles the golden sand the curling grey smoke of the cove he had formed pictures that had lightened many dreary and lonely hours in auckland he was to come back away from that huge unwieldy life in which comfort had no place and rest was impossible back to all the old things the wonderful glorious things that meant home and tradition and above all love he was a sentimentalist he knew that now it had not been so in those old days the life had been too adventurous and exciting and he had despised the quiet comforts of a stay-at-home existence but now he knew its value 
he would come home and take his place as head of family as father as citizen he had learnt his lesson and at last it was time for the reward but now that he had come home he found that the lesson was not learnt or perhaps that the learning had been wasted he must begin all over again garrett and claire had not changed they had made no advances and had shown him quite plainly in the courteous trojan fashion that they considered his presence an intrusion that they had no place in their ranks that he could fill he was he saw it plainly no more in line with them than he had been twenty years before indeed matters were worse there was no possibility of agreement they were poles apart with the town too he was an outsider the men at the club thought him a bore a person of strange enthusiasms and alarming heresies by the ladies he was considered rough as mrs letary had put it to miss ponsonby he was a kind of too terrible bushranger without the romance he was gauche he knew and he hated the tea-parties they talked about things of which he knew nothing he was too sincere to cover his convictions with the fatuous chatter that passed in fallacy street society for brilliant wit that it was fatuous he was convinced but his conviction made matters no easier for him but his attitude to the town had been it must be confessed from the very first a challenge he had expected things that were not there he had thought that his dreams were realities and then he had demanded golden colours and had been shown stuff of sombre grey there had been wild rebellion and impatient discontent with the world he had thought pendragon amazing in its utter disregard of the things that were to him necessities but he had forgotten that he himself despised so completely things that were to pendragon essentials he had asked for beauty and they had given him an esplanade he had searched for romance and had discovered the new hotel he dreamed of the sand and blue water of the cove and had awaked to find the place despised and contemned a site for future boarding-houses the town had thought him at first entertaining they had made allowances for a certain rather picturesque absurdity consequent on backwoods and the friendship of maoris men had laughed at the club and detailed harry trojan's latest with added circumstances and incident and for a time this was amusing but his vehemence knew no pause and he stated his disgust at the practical spirit of the new pendragon with what seemed to the choice spirits at the club effrontery they smiled and then they sneered and at last they left him alone so harry found himself at the end of the first week after his return alone in pendragon he had not perhaps cared for their rejection he had come like gottwald in flegeljara loving every dog and wishing that every dog should love him but he had seen at once that his way must be apart from theirs and in that knowledge he had tried to find the comfort of a minority certain of its own strength and disdainful of common opinion he had marvelled at their narrow vision and was unaware that his own point of view was equally narrow and after all there was robin robin and he would defy pendragon and laugh at its stupid little theories and short-sighted plans and then slowly irresistibly 
he had seen that he was alone that robin was on the side of pendragon he refused to admit it even now and told himself again and again that the boy was naturally a little awkward at first careless perhaps certainly constrained but gradually a wall had been built up between them they were greater strangers now than they had been on that first evening of the return ah how he had tried he had thought that perhaps the boy hated sentiment and he had held himself back watching eagerly for any sign of affection ready humbly to take part in anything to help in any difficulty to laugh to sympathize to take his place as he had been waiting to do for so many years but robin had made no advances showed no sign he had almost repulsed him had at least been absolutely indifferent they had had a walk together and harry had tried his best but the attempt had been obvious and at times there had come a terrible silence they had walked back through the streets of pendragon without a word everything that harry had said had been unfortunate he had praised the cove enthusiastically and robin had been contemptuous he had never heard of pater and had confounded ibsen with jerome k jerome he had praised cricket and met with no reply twice he had seen robin's mouth curl contemptuously and it had cut him to the heart poor harry he was very lonely during the last two days he had been down in the cove he had found his way into the little inn and got in touch with some of the fishermen but they scarcely solaced his loneliness he had met mary bethel on the downs and for a moment they had talked there was no stiffness there she had looked at him simply as a friend with no hostility and he had been grateful at last he had begun to look forward to the coming of robin's friend randall he was evidently a person to whom robin looked up with great admiration perhaps he would form in some way a link would understand the difficulties of both and would help them harry waited eagerly and formed a picture of randall in his mind that gave him much encouragement he was in his room now it was half-past four and the carriage had just passed up the drive he looked anxiously at his ties and hesitated between light green brown and black he had learnt the importance of these things in his son's eyes he was going next week to london to buy clothes meanwhile he must not offend their sense of decency and he hesitated in front of his tie-box like a girl before her first dance the green was terribly light it was a good tie but perhaps not quite the thing nothing seemed to go properly with his blue suit the brown was dull and uninteresting it lacked character any one might have worn it and he flung it back almost scornfully into the box the black was really best but how dismal he seemed to see all his miserable loneliness and disappointment in its dark sombre colour no that would never do he must be bright amusing cheerful anything but dull and dismal so he put on the green again and went down to the drawing-room randall was a young man of twenty-four dark tall and slight with a rather weary look in the eyes as of one who had discovered the hollow mockery of the world and wondered at the pleasures of simple people he was perfectly dressed and had arrived after much thought and a university education at that excellent result when everything is right as it were 
by accident as though no thought had been taken at all as soon as a man appears to have labored for effect then he is badly dressed randall was good-looking he had very dark eyes and thin rather curling lips and hair brushed straight back from his forehead the room was in twilight it was claire's morning-room chosen because it was cosy and favored intimacy she was fond of randall and liked to mother him she also respected his opinion the windows looked over the sea and the blinds were not drawn the twilight like a floating veil hovered over sea and land the last faint colors of the sunset gold and rosy and gray trembled over the town harry was introduced randall smiled but his hand was limp harry felt a little ashamed of his own hearty grasp and wished that he had been less effusive randall's suit was dark blue and he wore a black tie harry became suddenly conscious of his daring green and taking his tea went and sat in the window and watched the town the first white colors of the young moon slipping from the rosy gray cloud touched faintly the towers of the ruined church on the moor he fancied that he could just see the four stones shining darkly gray against the horizon but it was difficult to tell in that mysterious half-light robin was sitting under the lamp by the door the light caught his hair but his face was in shadow harry watched him eagerly hungrily oh how he loved him his son randall was discussing some people with whom he had been staying a little languidly and without any very active interest oh, rather a nice girl though he said only such a dreadful mother young page relison would have had a shot i do believe if it hadn't been for the mother wore a wig and talked cotney and fairly grabbed the shekels in bridge and what about the book claire asked oh going on said randall i showed cressel a chapter the other day you know the new argus man he was very nice about it of course some of the older men won't like it you know it fairly goes for their methods and i flatter myself hits them pretty hard once or twice you know miss trojan it's the young school you've got to look to nowadays it's no use going back to those mid-victorians all very well for the schoolroom cause and effect and all that kind of thing but we must look ahead be modern and you will be progressive miss trojan that's just what i'm always saying mr randall said claire smiling we're fighting a regular battle over it down here but i think we will win the day randall turned to harry and you sir he said are with us too harry laughed he knew that robin was looking at him i have been away he said and perhaps i've been a little surprised at the strides that things have made twenty years is a long time and i was romantic and perhaps foolish enough to expect that pendragon would be very much the same when i came back it has changed greatly and i am a little disappointed claire looked up my brother has lost touch a little mr randall she said and i don't think quite sees what is good for the place indeed necessary at any rate he scarcely thinks with us with us there was emphasis on the word that meant robin too randall glanced at him for a moment and then he turned to robin father and son 
a swift drawing of contrasts perhaps with an inevitable conclusion in favour of his own kind it was suddenly as though the elder man was shut out of the conversation they had in a moment forgotten his very presence he sat in the dusk by the window his head in his hands and terrible loneliness at his heart it hurt as he had never known before that anything could hurt he had never known that he was sensitive in auckland it did not seem so he had never felt things then and had a little despised people that had minded but there had been ever in the back of his mind the thought of those days that were coming when with his son at his side he could face all things well now he had his son there with him in the room the irony of it made him clench his hands there in the dark whilst they talked in the lighted room behind him oh kings is going to pot randall was saying i was down in the maze and they were actually running with the boats they seemed quite keen on going up the decent men seemed to have all gone robin was paying very little attention he was looking worried and claire watched him a little anxiously i hope you will be able to stay with us some days mr randall she said there are several new people in pendragon whom i should like you to meet randall was charmed he would love to stop but he must get back to london almost immediately he was going over to germany next week and there were many arrangements to be made germany it was robin who spoke but the voice was not his usual one it was alive vibrating startling germany by jove randall are you really going why of course a little wearily i have been before you know rather a bore but the Rainiers, uh, you remember them miss trojan are going over to the beethoven festival at bonn and are keen on my going with them I wasn't terribly anxious but one must do these things you know robin was there a year ago uh, germany i mean and loved it didn't you robin germany it was paradise heaven what you will Rügen, the hots heidelberg worms he stopped and his voice broke i'm a little absurd about it still he said as though an apology for such unnecessary enthusiasm oh you're young robin said randall laughing when you've seen as much as i have you'll be blasé not that one ought to be but germany well it hardly lasts i think Lügen, why it rained and there were mists about the studentenkammer and now those people eat at the jachtschloss Eidelberg's picture postcards and shocking hotels oh no robin you'll see all that later i wish you were going instead of me though harry had looked up at the sound of robin's voice it had been a new note there had been an eagerness an enthusiasm that meant life and something genuine hope that had been slowly dying revived again if robin really cared for germany like that then they had something in common with that spark a fire might be kindled a red-gold haze as a fire burnt in the night sky over the town stars danced overhead a little wind beating fitfully at the window seemed to carry the light of the moon in its tempestuous track blowing it lightly in silver mists and clouds over the moor the wise men were there strong and dark and sombre watching over the lighted town and listening patiently to the ripple and murmur and life of the sea at their feet 
in the little inn at the cove men were sitting over the roaring fire telling tales strange weird stories of a life that these others did not know harry had heard them when he was a boy those stories and he had felt the spell and the magic there had been life in them and romance perhaps they were there again to-night just as they had been twenty years before the stars called to him the lighted town the dusky softly breathing sea the loneliness of the moor he must get out and away he must have sympathy and warmth and friendship he had come back to his own people with open arms and they had no place for him his own son had repulsed him but cornwall the country of his dreams the mother of his faith the guardian of his honour was there the same yesterday to-day and forever he would search for her and would find her even though it were on the red brick floor of the tavern in the cove he turned round and found that the room was empty they had forgotten him and left him without a word the light of the lamp caught the silver of the tea-things and flashed and sparkled like a flame harry trojan softly opened the door passed into the dim twilight of the hall picked up his hat and stepped into the garden End of chapter four